So all of you have received an invite at whatever place that you reside from a mutual contact. You all are separate from each other. You don't necessarily know each other unless you'd like to. But your mutual contact, Charles Amesley, is hosting a dinner get-together where he will be describing his will to you all. You all have a week to prepare. You get your affairs in order and drive out into the countryside the night of to arrive at this dinner party. Upon arrival, a butler and a maid greet you and invite you inside to the sitting room. Very good. Uh, what is your name? Ian, you can go first. G good evening. I am Gabriella Slaughter. I work in London. Uh, psychoanalysis. Ah, yes. The master's been waiting for you. Head inside. Uh, take the first on the right, and Miss Elise should be able to take your coat from you. Oh, of course. I, I do want to thank you. And she moves very carefully. S same with, like, word choice. It's, like, it's very enunciated, like, making sure that every single word that comes out is very like, specific, and she goes inside and meets with whoever Elise is. And the maid welcomes you in once you cross the threshold, takes your jacket from you, and puts it into a closet as you enter into this sitting room. The master will be down in 30 minutes to invite you all into the dining room. Please feel free to smoke if you do, or feel free to access any of the liquor that we have available. And then she goes back to her post waiting for um, the rest to arrive. Gabriella Slaughter is kind of on the shorter side. She has maybe European, Spanish ancestry going on. And she's got dark curly hair that kind of only reaches the shoulders. She's a little bit heavier set. And she takes off a very big, essentially like duster kind of coat and takes off some riding goggles because she did drive herself here and did not drive well. So the riding goggles are, are very much a safety measure she needs so that, you know, she doesn't get anything to make her driving any worse. And then she takes out a notebook and starts, like, recording some musings as she sits down. All right. Next up, Brianna. You drive up, and the butler greets you. Ah, welcome. Uh, what is your name? My name is Victoria Maguire. It's Pleasure to be here. I'm assuming I'm in the right place. Absolutely, Ms. McGuire. Mr. Amesley will be down momentarily. Just head inside, hand your coat over to Miss Elise in there. She'll get you situated from there. Wonderful, thank you. She does as instructed. You walk through the threshold, and inside Elise goes ahead and takes your coat, puts it in the closet, and gives you the same spiel of just sit, wait, enjoy yourself, as you need. She does slip a notebook out of the coat pocket and tucks it in her pants pocket. Alrighty. And then go ahead and describe your character to us. Victoria! She's a bit taller. She has red hair, rather average looking. Her hair's about shoulder length. She looks rather pale and bookish. And she's dressed pretty simply. Nothing too fancy. Alright. So you go ahead and use it down. You flip through your notebook. 
and I'm guessing you're just kind of documenting things as they go? Yeah, she'll probably strike up a conversation with... I've already forgotten Ian, what's your character's name? Gabriella. I didn't know there'd be other people here today. What's your name? Gabriella Slaughter. Work from London. What is your name? Pleasure to meet you. My name's Victoria. Lovely to meet you as well. Should we be expecting more guests? I wasn't aware of how many friends he really had. Or associates, I should say. I don't wanna I don't want to assume anything about you. I'm not entirely sure how many people are going to be here. I've met him briefly through my work at the university. Or my studies. Oh, okay. Not too dissimilar to how I met him. But lovely to meet you nonetheless. Pleasure to meet you. And as you are finishing up, you hear another car drive up. And Brian, your character is greeted by the butler. Ah, and please state your name, please. Yes, hello. My name is Deckard. Deckard Lazarus. Ah, Mr. Lazarus. We have been expecting you as well. Go ahead and go through the threshold. I believe you are the last one. If not, we should be having one more showing up. But Mr. Amesley will be down in a moment, and the maid will take your coat inside. Alright, yes. Decker, he's a monster of a height. He's about six foot six, but he is 60 years old. He has a very long gray beard, very thinning hair at the top. And one of his eyes, he has a very long scar that starts at the top of his forehead and goes down to his chin. And if you ask, he'll pop his eye out, because of course his eye is fake on his right eye. And he walks with a cane, with a very peculiar design at the top. So there's always just a clunk, clunk, as Deckard limps about. He's going to make sure to remember his cigarettes. So... As Deckard hands over his coat, he pulls out his silver ornate cigarette case, pulls out a cigarette, and then pulls out his, his antique gold lighter, lights it, and then heads heads to where the others are. Now, how old are Gabriella and Victoria? Gabriella is 26. She carries herself in such a way that she looks grumpy all the time, so she definitely appears older. Ah. And Victoria's 27, but she's got a rather feisty nature to her, so sometimes people think she's younger than she is. As she hears the cane clucking, she looks over to Gabrielle and says, Well, it seems we have one more. Probably an old one, based on the sound of the cane. Oh, or veteran, possibly. Possibility. As Deckard pokes his head in, I like the way the other one said it. Yes, you can think of me more as a veteran, not old. Oh, um, which war? War. I'm going to assume the Great War, but given your rather advanced age, it could be other wars. I didn't want to jump the gun, as it were. Maybe in time I will tell you a little more of the war I've taken a part of. (laughs) Gary, look, just two hard blinks and starts, like, writing some things down. (laughs) Certainly sounds fascinating. How do you know, Ainsley? You don't mind my asking. Well, I will tell you as much of an enigma as why I am here. It might have an inkling to my profession. I am a uh, 
parapsychologist. I've encountered many strange things over my years, and I've seen things. Maybe that's why I'm here. What about you? Gabriella stifles a little bit of a laugh at parapsychologist. And you just hear, and that is just when Derek goes, <laughs> This is exactly what I've heard over the many years. The laughter or the disappointment? Both. I'm a psychoanalyst, well-trained, and I work off uh, my own little office. But I'm sure there are many things sight unseen that you have seen that you cannot explain. I'm a bit of a researcher. My job is to find explanations for those things. Maybe it's because, uh, from a certain perspective, all three of us together could provide a good answer for something. Yeah, all we're missing is a priest. I've heard that joke. It's funnier each time, oddly enough. Usually it's the opposite. I'll tell you, an old friend of mine, he had a saying, God is dead. And that's when Decker just goes to the window and looks at the window solemnly. <laughs> and Victoria just looks, well, that's maybe I wouldn't say that to his face. Let's not make too fast of friends. I wouldn't want to have to come to your funeral as well, Deckard. Oh, I tell you now, it would at least be interesting. Well, hopefully not as interesting as tonight. Thank you all for coming. As um, enters in Charles Amesley from the door. Oh, jeez. Hello to all of you. Mr. Amesley, I'm Deckard. I know very well who you are, and you, Victoria, and Gabriella. You all have never met him in person. You've gotten strange correspondences from him in the past, asking you about your work, trying to understand a little bit more about what you do, to which none of them have seemed really forced, but uh, he does come with high recommendation in the academic community, as well as in the psychological. I appreciate you all coming here today, and I hope that it is not too much for me to ask you to listen to my attorney as he reads out the will this evening. I don't believe anyone else is coming, but uh, should they, I will set another place for them. If you will please follow me into the dining room. Gabriella stands up formally and dusts herself off a little bit, closes the notebook, tucks it away, cracks her knuckles a little bit, and steps to follow. Certainly, I'm happy to help, even if I don't fully understand how I can help. In time, you will understand, I promise. Deckard goes to leave the window, and he's just will reading. But who am I? Wait, but I'm not the kin. Uh, I'm even more confused. I will join. He leads you across the hall into a dining room, where there is a long table set with six spots, one at the head of the table, and then three on the left side, and then two on the right. You see the maid has already taken away another spot, but sitting at one of the spots is a lanky man uh, dressed in a very formal black suit with a nicish maroon tie. Ah, you must be the ones that Mr. Amesley has told me about. I am his attorney, Grayson. 
It's a pleasure to meet all of you. Pleasure to meet you as well. Evening. Evening, sir. I will get on with the will reading after we have eaten, but Amesley, do you have any words that you'd like to share with us now as to why you have assembled us here tonight? You're in perfect health. You don't seem like you're going anywhere anytime soon. Amesley goes ahead and he takes a breath and just motions for everyone to go ahead and take a seat. And as he seats himself, uh, you see a tray of food come out and is served to all of you. There seems to be anything that you could really want here. It is a bon vivant buffet. Victoria, what do you take from the table? I imagine she takes a little bit of a few things, not wanting to, you know, stuff her face, but also curious to try things that look different or new. There's not much that looks rather new. You're quite accustomed to the blandness of most English cooking at this point, but there's a few things that have um, spice in them, and uh, the biscuits look absolutely amazing. She definitely would go for the things that look like they have a little more flavor and the biscuits. Alright. Gabriella. She's rather used to bland food, so she actually takes out like a little glass jar with like a little screw top on it and tosses it onto some I imagine she grabs some like meat and potatoes and just tosses the seasoning on top. Sounds good. She acknowledges it's probably rude to whoever made it, but if she does, she doesn't like say anything. She just goes, yep, this is going to go on my food. You see someone's head poking out of the kitchen, just shaking his head, and you just kind of ignore him. Yeah, I won't apologize for making bland British cooking better. And Deckard? Deckard trusts nothing. He just pulls out a flask from, it, from, from his inner pocket of his shirt. It's just, liquid diet, thank you very much. Alright. Well, I do appreciate you all coming. I will probably say that many more times throughout this meal. But, on to why you're here. And why this is, of course, a strange way to meet a correspondent. To cut down to the short of it, I am quite worried for my life. I've been getting threats from this organization called the Green Wheel for many of my dealings in the Americas and the Middle East as well as here in England mining oil. It is definitely how I made my living and such wealth but they also seem disheartened at well not disheartened but quite irritated at my um, placement of this house. Apparently it is upon some very important burial ground to them. I found out much too late about that. People can be rather particular when it comes to superstitions like that. I agree. But nonetheless, should anything come of it, I would like you three to have my estate. Whether it be my books about the paranormal things I have seen across the world, or whether it be, well, money, or documents, or anything that you particularly want, it is yours. I would like you to state now, for my attorney, uh, what it is you would like from me. Victoria is just sitting 
blinking at this, because this was not how she expected the evening to go. Gabriella takes out the same notebook and like flips to the back where it looks like there's, if you're looking over her shoulder, you can see a table, like a ledger keeping track of finances. And she closes it and she's like, yes, if, if you're offering money, I'll take it should you die. I'm in need of it at times. Then I would hope my money goes towards your research. I am quite intrigued to see your next discovery. You know, the collective unconscious always has its mysteries, but I sure would like to find out more. Victoria, you and I had corresponded much about the Feyfolk of the Emerald Isle. I would love it if you were to take my collection of books. I would gladly take that. Certainly help with some of my research projects I've got going on. Absolutely. I have a couple of new books that I would like to show you before the night is over, if that is agreeable. I would enjoy that greatly. Victoria looks like someone just told her Christmas is coming early. And Deckard. Yes. Deckard's been writing notes this entire start of this conversation. I know that your studies have taken you into the occult, and you have found things that you have no explanations for. Yes. I have a journal of my own that explains at least some of what I believe to be true based on my own studies and correspondence with a friend in London. I'd like you to have them as well, if you would take them. I will take this correspondence and, yes, I will gladly take this journal, but we will have, I will have questions for you later, Ameswell. I am sure that you all have many questions for me. But, now that that part is over, feel free to eat, and uh, we can discuss it much, much later. Please, dig in. And he gives you all a moment to just kind of eat your food, and not have to worry about a forced discussion. Victoria digs in, and at some point, I think she looks at the professor and says, Have you done any research into what kind of burial grounds must be under this house? There might be a way to... A piece, whatever spirits you may have put it on rest. I have been told that it is a Celtic burial ground, but when I had people dig up at the soil, they found nothing beneath it. No traces of any decomposition, any bones, anything. So I am quite curious what they believe is under here, but after you get enough rocks thrown in your windows, you stop questioning it. Fair enough. Could be either it's buried too deep, or it's not what they think it is. That happens sometimes. Yeah. It's been a lot of strange occurrences ever since the letter started coming. In fact, I had the police look into it, and all they told me was that it was only a raccoon that was making all of this racket. Which I didn't quite know that there were raccoons in this part of the world. But, so be it. That does bring me to a small note. You mentioned this Green Wheel group. Are they local to the area? I don't actually quite know much about them. I have only been able to find out bits and pieces here and there from their letters. And when I ask the authorities or anyone down at the town hall about if any formal 
group by this name has been created, they just... they don't have any answers for me. Hmm, and how have you been sleeping? Well, it's funny you should ask that. I haven't been sleeping very well at all. I wake up with these terrible sinus headaches and my throat just being so dry and it's almost like a yellow haze of my room until I blink my eyes enough to get the sleep out. Huh. That is unfortunate. It could be a mixture of many things, given the amount of stress you're under. Yes, unfortunately. It's also those damp dreams that keep coming, the ones that I had been corresponding with you about. Gabriella lights up at the mention of dreams. What are these dreams about, if you don't mind my asking? I don't at all. Well, I've been having dreams of a war. <laughs> Almost a war of the world. But I remember that the fighting has all stopped ever since 1918, 1917. It's uncomfortable to see how things are progressing in the world, but at the same time, Maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just me hearing so many things from the radio and thinking the worst. But they seem very vivid. I see a red banner with a black symbol, and I see guns firing and a massive explosion like I've never seen before. Huh. Well, if we were in a session, we could very likely get into what some of those dreams might mean, specifically the symbols involved. There's a lot going on there, right? We have very strong color theming. We have some guns. You know guns, you know what guns always stand for, and she chuckles a little bit to herself. But there's always more, more to look into. You definitely must come to my office at some point. Definitely. Deckard hits his glass to do like a little dinging. I understand now, Mr. Ainsworth, why you would want me to be a part member of this group. Because our dear psychologist there is maybe missing more to the picture. I don't believe these are dreams. These are visions of things of what is yet to come. What is our potential ability? Everything that is going on, Mr. Ainsworth. Absolutely. <laughs> Amesley. Sorry, Mr. Ames. Mr. Amesley. It all drink leaks back to this green wheel. Hmm. I want to know more. Has there been any rumors of any cults in the area? Not that I would know. I'm not one for rumors and usually sequester myself in my study. Here's my most important question. Have you come into possession of any new items lately? New items. Yes. Anything. No matter how small. Please, think back for me. No, not necessarily. Maybe some new books, but those came from Oxford, rather than a peculiar dealer. Please let me see those books after we have dinner. Absolutely. He continues to eat his meal. Deckard is watching him, seeing if there's any ticks, any anything peculiar about his appearance. I would like for you to roll a spot hidden, please. Oh, yes. The first roll of the game. Dice time! Oh my! 
you see him... There's nothing really strange about him other than him just kind of like rubbing his sinuses here and there. He does seem to be a little drained in a way. He looks very tired. His eyes are sunken back into his head a little bit. Um, dark circles have formed. And you see kind of this... As he kind of moves his hair back, you see a spot on his head that's this strange yellow discoloration, which you would typically assume is just part of his aging, but hearing the strange things that are going on, and you having your own suspicions and such a good success role, the figure is not necessarily what it would seem initially. You believe that there might be something more going on here. Deckard is noting the extreme exhaustion, and just adding it more to his notes, because he's not going to be bringing it up to be a little risky. He's going to wait till we have a moment alone with Victoria and Gabrielle. Victoria will pipe up. I might know a few treatments that could help with her sinus problems. Trust me, I've tried almost everything, but if you have anything new, I'd love to hear it. Some of them may sound a little odd, but I tried them, and they're surprisingly effective. Oh, what do you have in mind? She'll list off some that are essentially like old wives' tales full of remedies that she has had a chance to test. I have definitely heard of those in books, but I never thought to try them myself. Thank you for those. I will... Before bed tonight, I will definitely try them. Also, are you all staying the night, or are you driving back to London or wherever you came from? If I am going to, I'd need to let Boss go out of the car. Ah, yes. I can have my butler go ahead and take care of him if you'd like. Tell your butler to bring some form of meat he bites. Ah, wonderful. And he um, snaps his fingers and the butler comes over and he whispers into his ear, and the butler comes over. Your keys, ma'am. Oh, yes, of course. She hands the car keys over. Uh, he takes the car keys, and he walks out, and you hear uh, Bosco uh, barking outside until there's no sounds, and around the side, out, out the window, you see Bosco just following with this slab of meat in his mouth. <laughs> Bigger than the plate that you have in front of you. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Bosco's huge. He's a big Doberman. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting form of security you've got there. No, I, I, I kind of have to. I do a lot of my house calls in all sorts of isolated parts of England, and it's easier to have help for security that doesn't talk back or ask about their neuroses or has any worries beyond the next meal. Makes a lot of sense. Also, he's a very pretty dog. Maybe I should invest in one. Absolutely. Well, and he goes ahead and he finishes up his plate. How far along in the meal would you guys be? I think I'm probably done. Like, Gabrielle's finishing up. She puts away her little jar of seasoning. Victoria probably finished her plate a while ago and then maybe added a little bit more of stuff because she's a pretty fast eater, but she's trying to... Keep in mind, polite company and not snarf her food. As you all finish up, I'll have dessert served after we do the signing. Grayson, you, you've had enough time to 
write out those documents, correct? I'll need a couple minutes more. May I use your study, sir? Absolutely. Uh, you see the attorney go off and goes upstairs to the study. Uh, you hear his footsteps on the floor, on the creaky floorboards going up. Then you hear a door close, and it is just you five or four. Now, there's one more thing that I will have to ask if you are to take anything from me after death. What will be the price? I will need you to burn down this estate. Can we get that in writing first, so we don't get in trouble with the authorities? Yeah, I'd like something that says it's okay to do that. Absolutely. I have already had the paperwork filled out uh, for a controlled burn and to make sure that you are the ones who do it. One thing that I didn't say because my attorney already thinks I'm quite crazy is that when they were putting together the house, one of the workers did come to me and say that he had found something disturbing. It was a tree that had been bent and different directions, but at one point in the tree's trunk it had looked as if there was a face, a human face in it. And so he cut it down and didn't think anything of it, except that it was a gnarly looking tree. Now I'm not quite so certain it was just a tree. Nature is rarely what it seems sometimes. Very much need to be careful. Yes. Yes. But back then I was young, foolish, and didn't think that nature would care that I would destroy it, as I have. But using the wood from that tree in the building of this house, I am starting to find that nature's wrath is quite vicious, unrelenting. You must have built it before you started learning about the Fae. Yes when I was just an oil tycoon. And certainly you're... I am noticing a, a trend of guilt permeating a lot of our conversations. I'm sure there's something that's, you know, deep within that we might be able to elucidate. That might help with some of the physical symptoms I found with my clients. Patients, I should say. Well, when it comes to guilt, I am quite full of it after the incessant letters from Greenwill, but... Just looking back, and sometimes an old man ruminates a little too deeply. What is this Greenwheel accusing you of? Defacing property that belongs to a people long since gone. Destroying the environment and leading to a end-of-the-world prophecy that they seem to believe so heavily in. And with the dreams it doesn't help much. Quite the complex these people have developed, then. Deeply held beliefs in the supernatural. Magical thinking, as it were. If you all would like to move back into the study, I'll have some brandy sent over, and I will just go ahead and check with Grayson to see if he is ready for you. And he goes ahead and gets up and motions for you all to stand. Victoria does. I'm guessing we all do. Yep, Deckard gets up. Looking at his notes, and he's just, Alright, I think I have the picture here. <laughs> and he goes ahead and motions for you all to exit the dining room, and as you all are leaving, you see the maid and 
a cook go ahead and start cleaning up the dishes. As you guys go ahead and sit into the room that you had been in, the um, meeting area, you have the radio turned on for you by the butler. If you don't mind, I'd like to listen to the news. I've been worried about my family in Poland. Mm, yes, of course. And he goes ahead and turns it on to the news and... This just in. There are startling reports of German troops moving over the Polish border. What will come of this? No one is quite sure. But England has a pact that it will defend with France at all costs. And at this, you see the butler's face just kind of go all solemn, and he turns it off. He turns it back on and turns it to some music, and you all kind of sit there, a little uncomfortable with what you've heard. Decker's eyes go wide as he's looking over his notes. After hearing that on the radio, Decker's going to signal for Victoria and Gabrielle to lean in a little close for him to say, to tell them something. Victoria obliges. Yeah, she, she gets up. And... We cannot burn this house. Why not? Uh-oh. This confirms it. Don't you think it's a little peculiar that right after our meeting over the meal, we are told of a vision of, of a battlefield, mm-hmm. and we just hear that over the radio? This wouldn't be the first time someone's seen what was coming early. There's more to this. When he spoke about the tree or the face, don't you feel it? There's something off. This house, we cannot burn it. Because if, I, if we do, I fear we may release an evil. Right now it feels, it seems contained. Right. Would it release it, or would it banish it from this world if it no longer has a place to abide? Guess that depends on what kind of evil this is. I... I can't believe quite what I'm hearing. There are no goblins in this house that will run off if we burn it down. You're telling me you study people for a living, and you don't believe there might be things beyond what we can understand. Oh, certainly, but all well within our brains and deep, deep down. In fact, what you just mentioned about the war, his little vision, his dreams, as it were, that's synchronicity. That happens all the time. When people are in a certain psychic state, they attune to the world around them, and they come into these small coincidences. Deckard laugh. He looks at Gabriella. As he talks, he pulls out his eye. Oh. He goes, well, as I told you in time, I guess I should say now, I am at... The evil I speak of is what I'm at war with. Just as it took my eye when I was a child and took my father. I have no idea what I saw, but all I know is that that was evil. I've stared into the void, Gabriella. The only difference is I didn't blink. I know I have not lost my sanity in this world, but I can tell you, you must open your mind. We are going to be dealing with things that are beyond your comfort, beyond what you understand. And she looks around the house and at Deckard with the whole eye and the whole speech. I'm quite comfortable with people that are sick and people that are afraid. And that seems to be 
good 90% of what's going on here. At this point, you hear a loud, thunderous sound coming from outside, and you see the clouds have grown rather dark. Gabriella, the void is forming. Are you going to blink? I... Are you prepared to stare it down? Is this a metaphorical? Certainly a wide variety of uncomfortably dark portents coming our way. Oh, goodness, I'm... It's, it's all fairy tales to you two. Fascinating. Yeah, no, I'm sure... I'm, I guess I'm ready to not blink at the unfortunate thunderstorm. You say fairy tales, but some of the things I've been researching happen across a wide variety of societies that grow up separate from each other. Oh, and she, she, she lights up at that. How do you explain them having the same monsters? Oh, that's actually general archetypes from the collective unconscious. It's all deep down within us, and some of those archetypes will come up time and time again. The wise old man, the great mother figure, it's all very common, you see, because we all experience it. But where did they come from? Oh, collective unconscious. It's, it's what we don't experience, what we don't see. It's deep beneath us. But we can access it if we're, you know, looking. It had to have started from somewhere, otherwise our brains wouldn't have said it was useful, correct? Well, I suppose, but I don't have any ancient man to talk to and find out for myself. So I'll just have to work with what I'm given. I could point you to some books in the library at Oxford. It might prove enlightening. If I may bother you, just a little bit, and you see the butler comes in again. The attorney is ready for you now. Wonderful. I will be taking you up one at a time. Uh, who would like to go first? Deckard's actually going to volunteer. All right. If you will follow me. Leaving Victoria and Gabriella behind to keep arguing over this. Oh yeah, the, the, yeah. G Gabriella's like gotten a little bit more, a little more heated with each exchange of like, no, we're not dealing with monsters. We're dealing with an angry local group and some like bad air or something that is getting this dude sick. Well, sort of some germs probably. Like you know. And Victoria is just like, this is a really interesting, very fun debate we're having. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, we have a lot of common ground, but also you're dead wrong. <laughs> Deckard is just... Uh, skeptics. Victoria's like, I may not be right, but can you prove me wrong? No, just like, I can't prove oh, you that's, wrong. That's, yeah. There are things we don't understand, so who's to say? There's some fun back and forth there, and... <laughs> I, there has to be a skeptic. I don't make the rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, there has... De Deckard's just the one that's like, but I have seen no, I, I saw the, the monster. Ne never mind. <laughs> he, he ate my dad. Well, like, I don't know. Did you... Did you really see that, or was it just your imagination? <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you experience a lot of childhood trauma, and, you know, you, you created a, a, a delusion in your head? Because that's more of you created the delusion of the police who came to take your father away from abusing you. <laughs> the police whose heads got exploded by the monster man. Those weren't real either. This is gonna be fun. Victoria and Gabriella. I do like that everyone's approaching it from a different... Yeah, everyone's approaching from a different spot. Just so you guys can see, I actually have been taking a, doing a bunch of note-taking. Oh, same, same. I, I have a bunch of notes on... 
Jungian uh, psychology because that's not at all. My, uh, no one does Jungian style in like modern therapy anymore. So I'm just over here doing a lot of research over the course of the last month. Well, it, so so I I just did my I just did my bubble wheel chart and I was like, holy crap! I just connected a lot of stuff because this is all making so much sense from Deckard's side when he's thinking about the occult. It's like. Oh, this is making a lot of sense. I think I know what you're talking about here. And I don't think we should burn this house down. Oh, yeah. Gabriel is definitely on the side of, like, oh, it's definitely, like, he's having some sort of major conflict with his shadow self, and we can help him resolve it, and then he'll feel better, and he won't have to burn down his house. And Victoria's, like, thinking back to all the different, like, history and <laughs> mythology she's been studying with different sort of supernatural entities, some focus on the Fae, and she's like, this fits with some things that have been recorded throughout history that you can't quite explain. Mm. Decker's going to get along well with oh, Victoria. <laughs> Gabriella's going to have, have beef, but it's it's all for the purpose of, of driving yeah. us forward. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. You have been listening to Beyond the Crumbling Veil, a Call of Cthulhu 7e actual play podcast by Styx Helix Productions, part of Pseudonym Social a creative podcast network changing reality one story at a time. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or Podchaser or wherever you're listening, because it helps people find us and we appreciate it so much. Beyond the Crumbling Veil is DM'd by John Foman of Stakes Helix Productions. Deckard Lazarus is played by Brian from Dungeons & Pop. Gabriella Slaughter is played by Ian, who you can find in actual plays near you, and is at Ian Caliente on Twitter. And Victoria McGuire is played by Brianna Jean, who you can find at Brianna Jeans on Twitter. 